It's time for JT the Brick. I cannot believe I'm sitting here talking about the Raiders being better on defense than offense. I am shocked I just said that. Herbert with pressure up the middle. And he's brought down inside the five. Max Crosby, and like a bolt of lightning, took Herbert down for his second sack of the game. This offense, we demand that they wake up. Pressure up the middle. Love out of the pocket. Throws downfield for the end zone. Intercepted! Amit Robertson in the back corner. Picks it off in front of Watson. JT the Brick. Pressure again off the edge. And he's sent for the safety. Crosby and Nichols. The team needs a massive, massive wake-up call. That's it. Something has to happen immediately. I don't hold back on anything. I'm coming to get you. And now, good to go. Here's JT the Brick. On the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, the Raiders mobile app. And wherever you're listening and streaming us all over the globe, like my good friend Keith, Crusader Raider, who listens every day from London, outside of London to those who are in Fort Lauderdale, up to the Bay Area, Los Angeles. We love L.A. and Vegas here. All points. I'd like to hear from more of our listeners, Raider Nation, around the country. So if you're listening in Cleveland, you're listening in Detroit, you're listening anywhere, Seattle, sound off like you got a pair. Good day to call in today. I limited the guest. We have Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. He'll join us in exactly one hour. He called the game. He's actually calling the game tonight in Buffalo uh, nationally on the radio. So he checked in from Buffalo and he said he wanted to come on. We'll talk to him. Uh, Lee Sterling will join us. He'll give you three games for free. A professional handicapper who puts a lot of time in, uh, normally wins. And he, he's going to give you three games for free at 12.45. And then we got Johnny Katz will join us. It's our entertainment se- segment every two weeks. There's a lot happening now. I'm really leaning on Katz because of F1 and the Super Bowl and all the entertainment. And he's on the ground here and knows more than anybody He'll tell us about that. I went to U2 again last night. Oh, my God. I have some tweets up if you want to check them out. Lady Gaga came out. Lady Gaga walked out in the middle of it and did three or four songs with U2. The place almost came to the ground. That was a hell of a Wednesday night for me and had a great time at the Sphere. Sat in a suite, was on the floor the first time, and just had an amazing experience. Some of the videos, if you're into that, were cool and Hey, get to that show. I mean, you don't know how long all these bands are going to be together, but U2 is putting on one hell of a concert over at the Sphere. So that was an early night. I was back in bed before midnight, and I just interviewed the head coach. So I went from the Sphere back home, Summerlin, deep, deep Henderson. The helicopter almost had to come and get me. Mark almost had to send the helicopter to get me in Summerlin to get to deep Henderson, interviewed the coach, and we'll have that for you tomorrow. As Josh McDaniels also had his press conference. I can tell you from being in the building a half hour ago, on the record and off the record, tackling is a priority. This week, I personally reached out to Matt Millen, Phil Villapiano, and we had Rod Woodson on yesterday. Game, set, and match. I went to three of the greatest tacklers in Raider history and talked to him personally or texted with him and said, what's going on here? And they all wanted to talk about it. Fundamentals, getting low. How about Rod Woodson yesterday? Did you hear that? I hope you did if you missed it. We podcasted it talking about you go after the other leg, not the lead leg. Rod Woodson talking about the attitude of tackling. And that's how I started off my interview with the coach. Because by the time I get to him on Thursday, I get to him on Thursday. And we air it on Friday and it airs on TV Friday and Saturday. 
you know, we don't hearken on four days ago, but we mentioned it, and I opened it up, said, what happened with the tackling? What's going on and how, you, how you're working on that and all that? And he said they're putting an emphasis on it. Uh, Jimmy G will be at practice today. And my new take on Jimmy G going forward is, I'd like everybody to ramp it up, please, now on Jimmy G. I only have great things to say about him, and I don't know him well, but he's been very good to me when I see him in the hallway, on the plane, whatever it is. He is a really good guy. And Raider fans don't judge people by being good guys. Some Raider fans hate people they've never met. They've never sat down and had a beer or had dinner or met him in the parking lot. They just hate, hate, hate. Luckily, it's a small, tiny minority that makes a lot of noise on the Internet, on multiple platforms. But Jimmy G, I think if you all met him, you wouldn't yell at him. You wouldn't throw a punch. You wouldn't do anything. You'd be like, hey, Jimmy, what's happening? Tell me about your life. Tell me about playing quarterback. He's a good guy. But I'm starting now to lean on Jimmy G. I'm starting to put it out there on my radio shows that Jimmy G's now got to go. Okay, he's got to go, what I mean by get up and go. He's got to get this team going, period. It's on him. He is the franchise quarterback for the legendary Oakland, Los Angeles, and now Las Vegas Raiders, a global brand. He looks the brand, no doubt about it. The ladies in Summerlin are swooning over Jimmy G. We know that. He's got to play better quarterback, and I thought he was playing better before he got concussed. I really did. The back, the back injury that he sat out the last game in Chicago, I thought he was playing good before that injury. So did Jimmy G take the step towards helping the Raiders save the season? Ooh, I just said it. Why would I say save the season? Why wouldn't I? What are you looking at that I'm not looking at? The three and four football team that has not played a good game this year. That's really the crux of this conversation. How could a team that played seven games and won three of them and probably should have won four, not five or six, but probably should be four and three, how are they, how are they participating in this league without having a really good game? That's shocking to me. I've covered some bad Raider teams over the years that have had some good games. I'm waiting on this team to wake up. And I talked about that in the interview with the coach at the end about Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G, he's not 100% going to play. We all know he is. He's supposed to play. He's out at practice today. So hopefully there isn't a setback. But he's got to get going here, man. He's got to play good. He's got to have a couple of big games to save the season. We got two Kansas City games and a Dolphin game around the corner. We got Russell Wilson coming to Vegas, which should be a win. The Vikings, I thought, was a win. Indianapolis looked like a win. The Giants and the Jets looked like a win to me. That's five plus the three to get to eight. But I need Jimmy G to run the table, man. He's got to kind of get close to playing at such a good level that we can change the vibe of the radio show and say, Jimmy's going to get going here because he has in his career. His regular season record doesn't lie. But you can't say that around Raider fans anymore. You tell everybody that Josh McDaniels won six Super Bowls, they just want to scrub it from the internet. They, no, it didn't, JT. He never coached in a Super Bowl. He never, no, he didn't do that, okay? And then you tell people Jimmy G's lifetime regular season record, and they say, well, that doesn't count. He played for the 49ers. Really? <laughs> do we take away accomplishments from people because they played for other teams? These aren't players born in the Raider organization. You know, these aren't players. John Madden came from somewhere else before he came to the Raiders. Tom Flores, fortunately, was a quarterback, was an assistant coach, and became the head coach. A lot of players come and go. Jimmy G is new to our family here in Raider Nation. 
We need him. We need him to play great. And I think that everybody understands that. Even the divisive fans that just want to tear everything down and the fans that are still hopeful and the fans that are all locked in. They all want Jimmy to come out and start taking over games. And he better because he got paid to do that. You know, I could be as nice as anybody here. But the guy's got to play better. He hasn't played well this year. He showed signs on touchdowns that the ball came out good, a couple of throws. I still go back to the first game of the year against the Denver Broncos when he ran out the clock, slid in bounds, and ran the ball and was 1-0. and And I said, man, Jimmy G beat Denver on the road and he used his legs. Think of what the season's going to look like. But Jimmy has been injured a lot, which a lot of people predicted. I don't predict injuries. I don't encourage injuries. I want everybody to be healthy. And Jimmy normally is banged up. And now he's going to come through this after a concussion protocol. And then he's going to come through this back and hopefully be ready to go. And he has to be ready to go or he will not be here long term. The Raiders will be making a decision at quarterback. Door number one, two, and three is simple. Door number one. Jimmy Garoppolo plays great the rest of the season. Not good. Above average to great. He keeps his job. He's the quarterback next year because he signed that way. Door number two, the Raiders decide to build around Aiden O'Connell going forward as a fourth-round pick out of Purdue. Or door number three, which I think 95% of Raider Nation wants this, is the Raiders go all in on a new quarterback who's elite coming out of college and find a way to get there. Because at, if, at, with three and four... You could start thinking about that, but I'm not going to do radio shows like that until the Raiders are eliminated or out of it. I'm not going to start talking about Caleb Williams and May, the quarterback, and some of these other guys. I'm not going to do it. I don't have to do it. I refuse to do it until they're eliminated mathematically. So that, that's what I think this monologue's about. How do you want to handle this Jimmy Garoppolo situation going forward? I think that Jimmy is under pressure. I, again, I think he's under a lot of pressure to play. Because he's got to play because I don't think this team can win without Jimmy Garoppolo. Matter of fact, I know they can't win the amount of games they need to win without Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer got his chance. And I don't think that Brian Hoyer should start at quarterback under any situation going forward unless he's an emergency quarterback. And that's it. It, This is Aiden O'Connell number two going forward because the experiment with Brian Hoyer in Chicago failed. So Aiden O'Connell, who got a late touchdown in that game, I would put him at number two. Uh, The big hot topic for me also, as we introduce you to the monologue, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat. They're doing a lot at the Strat. A lot of big events there, concerts. Their new golf facility is unbelievable. Ever ever have dinner at the top of the world? Uh, Take your significant other to the top of the world. Tell them JT sent you. You'll have the best view, great food, unbelievable chef, Reasonable prices for a restaurant like that. Head on out to Top of the World or go to PT's as they fuel the monologue 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Playing faster is something that I mentioned to coach. And to play a little bit faster and more explosive, that has to happen in this game in Detroit. Detroit, the last game, was a really bad game for them. All the other games they played, man, they're impressive. The stats just jump off the page. Their defense... Coach today talked about their ability, their zone defense. Very sharp, Coach McDaniels, on what we're facing. When you look at their zone defense, and then when they look at the zone and look at the quarterback, they're very good at eyes on the quarterback and knowing where the ball's going to go because their linebackers are good and their safeties are good. So they patrol the middle of the field and they make the quarterback have to do something he's not comfortable with. 
and then the entire defense runs to the ball. Wow. I don't, I don't want to say that was uncomfortable for Coach. I wouldn't put those words in his mouth, but I'll tell you, when he was talking about another team flying to the ball, the Detroit Lions, I know he wasn't talking about this team flying to the ball because I was in Chicago and no one was flying to the ball. No one was getting in and out of the huddle fast enough and there was no sense of urgency. So Jimmy G's got to control that now. I'm not asking him to go rogue. He won't go against the coach, nor should he. The coach got the plays. Jimmy G's got to execute the plays faster and be more efficient or the Raiders don't have a chance. And I'm comfortable with Jimmy G doing this. If I would have told you two years ago, who do you want, Jared Goff or Jimmy G? I think we would have been split 50-50 or 60-40. Either way, Jared Goff's a good player. He played in the Super Bowl and lost. Jimmy G's a good player, played in the Super Bowl and lost. But Jared Goff now is really a master in this offense because he's got a great running game. He's got St. Brown who can catch the ball and catch it over the middle and deep. And they're really good up front on the offensive line. They got a good offensive line and a good front. This is a worthy opponent for the Raiders. This is a tough opponent for the Raiders. The Raiders will have to be at their best. Can the Raiders be at their best playing Detroit on Monday night, a 5-2 and two team after getting boat raced in Chicago by the Bears? I don't think many people think that could happen. I hope it happens. Let's see how they do it. 702-365-9200. First hour is pretty much open if you want to get through and want to hear from you on how the Raiders win this game. We need the game plan in today. The game is on Monday night. Chris in West Oakland leads us off in the biggity biggity O. What's happening, Chris? There we go. You got me, JG? Yep, I got you. Okay, sorry. There was a brief uh, okay, go ahead. blank there. Okay, you're right. This is a this is a huge week for the Raiders. And I'm gonna, you know, you're right about the Lions too. Right now, you know, this is a team. I know they looked terrible last week. Really good football team. Rosters consumed. At the moment, they're one game out of the top seed in the NFC. In the NFC, they're sitting at number two. I believe they're playing for different stakes than the Raiders are right now. The Raiders. We're getting to the point of the season, JT, and you said earlier in the monologue. How are they competing in this league? Well, the Raiders have three wins right now against really bad football teams. There's a lot of bad football teams in the NFL. I don't think the Raiders are at the very bottom, but I, the way they've played so far against good teams and against a horrible team like Chicago, I think they're closer to the bottom than they are the top. We're getting to the point in the season now where your record is what, you says, what, what it says you are. You're not one or two games in. Yeah, the Raiders have bad, good players. Well, you can't keep saying they got good players and they're not playing well. Pretty soon you're just going to realize maybe they don't have good enough players. So what do we have to do against the Lions? Because you said it best. The schedule's going to get a lot tougher coming up. This is a huge win if they can go pull off the upset, which I seriously have my doubts. But in order to be able to break back even and have half a chance, you've got to somehow pull off an upset Monday night because looking at after that, the Giants and the Jets, Raiders aren't good enough to say that's a win, that's a win. We can win some of those games. We can absolutely lose anyone. So what we need to do this week, you said it best, you've got to play fast. Coach McDaniels has to change his philosophy. I know he likes to be meticulous. He kind of likes to guide the offense. He's got to ask Jimmy G to do something he's not used to doing, playing with pace, taking some shots. Design an early shot to Devontae down the middle. And Coach McDaniels needs to tell Jimmy G, I don't care how well he's covered. Throw the damn ball up. Let him make a play. Maybe we get an interference. But we've got to soften the line of scrimmage so we can get Josh Jacobs going. That's not going to happen if you keep living in the 5- to 15-yard uh, part of the field, which is Jimmy G's comfort zone. So I want to see them play with a little bit of 
you're right about Jimmy G. When he played with the Niners in a top five defense, he could be solid and they could win games. Much like the years with Derek Carr here, and this isn't a Derek Carr phone call, he had to play great and at an MVP level for the Raiders to be able to be in these in these games. The Lions' offense is good enough. You're not going to win this game scoring 20 points. They're going to have to get in the 28 to 30 point range, and I totally believe the way to do that is playing with a little pace, taking some shots down the field. Because and on the defensive side of the ball. I want to do something a little different. I know Patrick Graham likes to play soft in zone. He likes to keep plays in front of them. It's not working. they got to start blitzing. they got to start making the Lions do something that they're uncomfortable with. Right now, if both teams play their best JT, the Lions are a better team. They're going to win. The Raiders have to figure out a way to play their best and make the Lions make enough mistakes to keep them in the ballgame. The way you do that? You blitz off the corner. You blitz the safety. You throw a couple all-out blitzes. Hell, if you're going to get beat playing the conventional way, you might as well be willing to take a shot. But, again, the Coach McDaniels, again, I'm not going to do fire the coach radio. I think it's done to death, and I, don't, I think it's boring radio, and it doesn't serve any purpose. However, after, after the third, third straight loss, a lot of people were starting to talk. They bought themselves a little time beating two bad teams at home. Well, guess what? You lost Sunday to a bad Bears team. If they lose again this week, the buzzards are going to start circling. And, again, if you want to keep the chirping away, if you want to keep the outside noise down, you go out, you make, you find a way to win this game by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, but the Raiders have to find a way to compete, keep this game close, and see if we can steal it in the fourth quarter. Because if they do lose this game, now all of a sudden you're 3-5, and five, and the season takes on a whole different outlook than 4-4 four and four with the Giants and the Jets coming up after you. So, again, I'm not going to predict the victory, JT. I can't do it right now. The Raiders have to show me something that they can do that. I want to see him go out and do it. That's all I can say at this point. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you, Chris. You know, you're going to hear the word all week, uh, desperate, sense of urgency, and aggressive. Let's say it again. Desperate, sense of urgency, and aggressive. Don't be afraid to call my show with those words. You better believe this is a desperate franchise here to win games in this season. Long-term is a different conversation for a podcast. Who to draft, free agency, the future, the coach, the GM. It's a long-term topic to have. We don't have to have that the week of the Lions. But what we need to talk about is the ability to light a fire under this team with the coaching staff and the leaders, the players, and get it going. Get somebody to get it going. Some fans have told me, Raider fans have said, I don't want to live in the past anymore. I said, I do. What, what, do you, what, do you, what did you say? You don't want to live in the past? Of course we're living present day. Of course we're looking towards the future. But the history of the Raiders is certain players who played above their ability. Jim Plunkett is the all-time, the all-time example of that. Beaten and battered, the number one pick overall, out of the league. If Al Davis doesn't call Jim Plunkett, Jim Plunkett doesn't get a phone call. Do you understand that? And luckily, Mr. Davis called him because the Raiders were set up to win. Mr. Davis had the vision to see that, you know, the quarterbacks I got, they're okay, but I, I believe in Plunkett because Mr. Davis scouted Plunkett and knew Plunkett. And so when he brought him in, it was the perfect storm. Well, where the hell's the perfect storm around this place? Let's get some perfect storm guys who were drafted in the middle rounds, like Max Crosby, a fourth-round pick, who's now playing like a Hall of Famer. Let's get some other guys on this team to play at an elite level. And they got to be asked to play at elite level, 
and they have to be motivated by the coaches. They have to be motivated by themselves to play at a higher level, which the only thing I think they can do, because all these players have different ceilings, right? Devontae is at his ceiling, right? He's at the elite top of the league if he gets the ball. Max Crosby blew past his ceiling, and now he's through the roof. But you look around at a lot of these other guys. We spent a lot of time talking about Marcus Peters this week. I'm surprised Marcus Peters is still on the team. I am. But if he's on the team because they came to him, which I'm not aware of, and Marcus Peters basically had to tell everybody that this won't happen again, and Marcus Peters is going to play his ass off because he thinks he's going to lose his job or get benched, that could be a good thing. You know, that could be a good thing. Rod Woodson said yesterday on the show that he would tell Marcus Peters to bring his East Oakland, right? Bring that to the table. Well, I think he does. I just think his skill set is diminishing, obviously, on the back end of his career. But there should still be some juice with Marcus Peters. The guy's got a big ego, which is great. I love that. Love that with athletes. And he's had a hell of a career. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's had a very good career. Made a lot of money. And he's got to play better. But don't forget the past of the Raiders. Because the Raiders had a lot of players that aren't in the Hall of Fame. We, th- we tend to see when we walk around the torch and the Coors Light Plaza, if you go to the right or the left, you'll see the Hall of Famers on the wall. And I look at it every time I go there because whenever I go from the press box to the torch, I kind of cut through the 200 level and I look at that and I see the names, Dave Casper, Fred Bolitnikoff, Ron Mix, who played mostly for the Chargers. And then you see... George Blanda, Jim Otto, and all these players. A lot of the players were drafted to just be football players and to see what could happen. Then there's the special players that come along and are developed, and they go to the next level from small schools. A gentleman by the name of Art Shell. When he was drafted, no one thought Art Shell was going to be a Hall of Famer. He turned out to be arguably the greatest offensive lineman of his era and in the top Mount Rushmore of all time. Well, Colton Miller can play at a higher level. I think he's at a high level. He's not at a Pro Bowl level. We're not talking about Colton Miller getting a gold jacket, but he's a very good player. The offensive line's got to play better. The defense has got to play better. You know, I was texting with Matt Millen, and Matt Millen was a guy that came out of Penn State as a defensive lineman. They moved him to linebacker. And athletically, athletically, he wasn't as athletic as some of the guys and his peers, but he was more into it. What's brilliant about the life of Matt Millen, who's now currently today working in his mill, building, building furniture and cabinets, that's what he does, and then he flies off to a college football game and calls it, is that Matt Millen played ferocious on every down. He was pissed off every time he came on the football field, and then when he was off the football field, his wife and him would have the younger players over for dinner, feed them properly, teach them how to be pros. And Matt Millen won four Super Bowls and probably was not going to go to the Hall of Fame. But every time Matt Millen took the field, he was a badass personified. He was pissed off. He punched an executive in the, on the sideline. Not that I'm encouraging that in this day and age. But you always knew that Matt Millen was ready to play. How many players were ready to play in Chicago? How many? There's a Bear player that went on a podcast and said it looked like they were jet lagged. Looked like they had no energy. Uh, when, when we broke a tackle, we got more yardage. Well, he's probably right because he played in the game and he saw what happened to the Raiders. And the Raiders, you know, I'm not, I don't give mulligans out. and say, hey, man, that's one of those games they weren't ready to play. How dare anybody say that? They're, all their paychecks cashed this week. 
All their, all their money was deposited in their accounts. So now they have to go play with some aggression. They have to play angry. And they just got to get to the ball. I'm pretty confident in one thing. I don't know who's going to win the game, everybody. But I'm pretty confident that you're going to see the Raiders play faster, more ferocious, uh, more angry on defense. And the offense better get its ass going. Something better be obvious when I get to the post game, after the game on Monday night, win or lose, that the Raiders did some unique things on national television on Monday night football. Double reverse, halfback option, I don't care what it is, a bomb for a touchdown. This is a Lions team that hasn't given up a touchdown outside the red zone, so it probably won't happen, but maybe it will. The Raiders have to do something different, and that's the monologue. And my call to action to you today, if you like to call, or tweet at JT the Brick, is what's the one aggressive thing they need to do on offense? And don't give me Hunter Renfro. Hunter's out. I mean, we love Hunter. He's out. They, they don't get him the ball. He's out. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It just, it's sad that this happened to Hunter or whatever happened. I'm not blaming either side, Hunter or the coaching staff. It just, it's not working out. Other than Hunter Renfro, what has to happen offensively to kind of flip this season? I went first. I said Jimmy G. And I, that's not broad. I'm being very specific. Jimmy G has to play like a franchise quarterback and has to play much better. And I think the only way to do it is to move him outside the pocket, have him throw some unique passes, have him take a hit or two because he waits for a deep ball to develop. Uh, you better believe I'm putting this on Jimmy G. <laughs> every, every sports talk host in America who does what I do for a living puts it on the quarterback. They're doing it in New York with the Giants and the Jets. They're doing it in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. They're doing it in Dallas with Dak Prescott. We got to start doing that with Jimmy. 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. We are proud to announce that they are with us again. We thank Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde for being a proud partner. If you get into an accident, the best of the best. 702-222-9999. They will get you going. If you need help in any type of accident, slip and fall, something happens in a casino, car wreck, truck wreck, motorcycle accident at the Castaverde Law Group. Lee Sterling's coming up here if you like to gamble. Oh, and I just finished the book Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk by Billy Walters. I finished that the other day. I would highly recommend everybody read that book, especially if you like sports gambling. Wow. It was a page-turner. Page-turner loved the book. Fantastic. 702-365-9200. Lee Sterling in about 15 minutes. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the writers at the top of the hour. I think every team is different. Obviously, every year is probably different too, um, in terms of what you do and how well you can do it. You know, and trying to, um, you know, play to the strengths of your team. You know, whether that's tight ends, your guards, or certain, you know, good pullers or tackles. You know, whatever in space. And so, I think you just, you know, got to try to, you know, really nail down exactly. All right, what have we done well? What haven't we done well? And try to you know do that. We do that every week, and we're trying to you know obviously focus on the things that we do the best, and then keep doing them you know as as well as we can you know, and try to improve maybe in some other things so we don't become 
too predictable because you're so simple that now you're you know you're getting everything defended. So um, there's got to be some complementary run schemes, you know, to help you know those things last as you go through the course of a long season. Josh McDaniels, I don't think they're doing a lot of things good, so I don't know what they should build on. Crank this up. I saw you two last night. I like you two. I've been seeing him for a long time, but what's going on at the Sphere is mind-blowing. We'll talk about it with Johnny Katz from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He's going to join us next hour. So what Coach just said there is, remember, coming from New England, they did everything offensively great, not good. They were great. But they lost games. They lost two Super Bowls to Eli Manning. They lost an AFC championship game here or there. But what they did was they called the play that they did in Foxborough at practice, and the ball came out from Tom Brady. And it came out on time, and the guys made plays. They were just overachievers. you got to admit, Welker, Amendola, you know, those slot receivers and what they were able to do, those were overachievers who just made plays. And you mix in a Randy Moss and some of the other players that they had over the years. The problem here is the Raiders do have a couple of elite superstars, potentially, in Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. When Devontae gets targets, he plays really well. Uh, Josh Jacobs is getting a lot of targets. He's getting a lot of handoffs and nothing's coming out of it. And I'm not saying abandon the run. I I know football, I think, pretty well. You can't abandon the run in the NFL. But we're getting to the point here against a team like the Lions who stopped the run well that you better make a decision early in the first quarter if you want to embrace the shootout. Because if they go down 10-0, 14-0, it's over, most likely. If they keep it close, the Raiders can win this game. They really can win this game. But do you want to embrace the shootout or do you want to try to get the running game going for the eighth week in a row? I think that you got to embrace the shootout because we got Devontae Jacoby and we got Michael Mayer and Trey Tucker. Those guys can go pound for pound, toe to toe with the Detroit Lions. Paul in Vegas on 920. Thanks for checking in, Paul. What do you got? Hey, JT. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks. Great. I love your show and I love how blunt you are. And I just want to say two things. Now, the first is, you know, the last two games we won, I thought it was won by the defense. The offense has not been able to get over 17 points or anything, you know, and that's what I think about Jimmy G now. Is I think he needs to be the guy that came into the 49ers and took him to the Super Bowl, and that's what we need out of him. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We need him to step up, like you've been saying, and become the quarterback that we know he is. I mean, I love Jimmy G. He's a great quarterback, but he just needs to be able to step up and become the quarterback that we need. Yeah, he's got he's got to play, as you said. Thanks for the call. He's got to play better. He's got to play with a, a more sense of urgency, and he's got to play. I just think at a level that he's used to playing at for most of his career. And I don't know how injured he is or not, but I saw him on the plane, off the plane. I saw him on the sidelines. I talked to him in the tunnel. I mean, the guy looks good. I just don't know what's going on with him internally. I can't tell you. But he was in Chicago walking around the city, walking around, and he looks like he's good to go. And Coach McDaniel said that today, that without a setback, he'll be the quarterback there. He'll practice today. And we need to know how long, how long has he been healthy? We're not going to know that on game day. Not going to give any information to Detroit. And we actually don't know. But I hope he's ready to play at a very, very high level because he's called on to do it now. If, if the Raiders were a, a four and three team or they were five and two like the Lions and Jimmy had a bad game in Detroit, then he won the next two. All right, that's not the case with this team. This team is desperate to win a game. They're desperate to win one game because they played so poorly in Chicago. It's changed our mindset on now who they can beat. 
Who can they beat after what you saw in film in Chicago? Not many people are walking around outside the team. The team's confident, but not many fans are confident that that's a team that's going to win a lot of games. So they're going to have to take it on themselves to do it. And I'll tell you, I said it when I started off the show, on and off the record, the emphasis on tackling is intense in that building today. It is. From what I saw and from what I heard, they got dressed down in regards to their tackling. They got told what they did not do. And that message is loud and clear over in Henderson going into practice. Let's get out to Roger. He's also in Vegas on 920. Roger, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Roger, your phone's really troubling. Can you take me off speaker or talk into it? Go ahead. All right, how's this? It's better, thank you. I'm a longtime uh, Raiders fan. I go back, probably not many of your fans remember the old Heidi game mm-hmm. in the 60s. There were some players that we had, and today you mentioned a bunch of the old ones. I remember the days when we played the Chiefs with Big Ben Davidson, and they had Otis Taylor. We we need guys like that again, our shell ups, uh, the twos. Uh, and I wish somebody would stand at the locker room day of the game and say, if you're entering this room as a Raider and are going to play like a Raider and give 110%, come on in. Otherwise, please stay outside. Again, thank you very much for your show. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. And thank you very I'm much. And I also, like you, I've been a Yankee fan for 55 years. So go Raiders and go Yankees. Yeah, well, I've, been a, I've been a Yankee fan for that long, too. That's about my age. I'm a little bit older, but right around that window. And the Yankees bring me – Tremendous grief in my life. Just tremendous grief right now. I cannot believe that the Diamondbacks are in the World Series and the Rangers aren't and the Yankees are not. Uh, Rangers are in and the Yankees are not. But that's sports. That's what sports is all about. I didn't get a chance to spend as much time as I wanted to yesterday on the broadcast about how great of a sports night it was two nights ago with the Diamondbacks beating the Phillies and all those hockey games. First time every hockey game was played on the same night in a staggered start. You got good college football coming up here. A lot of good things happening in sports. A lot of good things happening, but we're focusing on the NFL. We're very Raider-centric on this show. And when the Raiders aren't playing well, I got to make sure that I'm able to pivot and talk about James Harden and LeBron James and what's happening in other sports here because if the fans aren't as excited as I am to talk Raider football, I'm not going to sit around here and just say, hey, come on in, take your time. There's no more taking our time. We got to win this game. Everybody get it? Everybody understand what we're, what we're doing here. Time to win. You don't have to be a Raider fan. You can be a journalist. You can be a podcaster, which I guess I am, or, or just anyone. Anyone anywhere in the Valley or around the country. Got to win this game because the last game was atrocious. The last game was a terrible football game from a team that we know is much better. And they lost all their momentum and they have to gain it back on the road. That's hard to do. So we almost need the perfect storm here. Got to have to start fast, got to be healthy, got to keep Jimmy G protected, got to get in a shootout maybe, and you got to come out with a victory. It's going to be hard to pull this off, but other Raider teams of the past were able to do it. Let's see if this team could do it. Lee Sterling will join us next. Can't wait to tell you the story about his daughter. She sang the national anthem in Chicago. If you're a Raider fan and were there, you were blown away. It was one of the best anthem performances I've seen, and I've seen Whitney in Super Bowl 25. Uh, Lee's daughter was brilliant. My wife, uh, goosebumps when she sang 
and Lee's got three games, and they're very interesting. If you're a sports gambler, stick around. Lee Sterling coming up next. Football at the 14. Hurts in the gun. Hurts backpedals. He pumps. He looks. He fires. He completes it. Breaking away. Running into the end zone. A.J. Brown. The Eagles take the lead. He's a grown man. Eagles widely considered the best team in football with Kansas City. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas City and the Eagles met again in the Super Bowl. But I don't want to see Kansas City in the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. And that means Taylor Swift would be here with Mahomes' wife and Brittany Mahomes, and they'd be dancing in a suite with Mahomes' brother. And that is sickening to me, sickening to me. And I, I don't want that to happen. So I've never been more, let's stop this Kansas City train. Let's stop it. Whoever goes in the AFC, whoever goes, anybody but Kansas City in Vegas. That's the last thing we need to happen this year or next year in this city. Lee Sterling will join us coming up here in a few moments and he's got a couple of big games i'm looking at him he's got a couple of college games and he's also got buffalo tampa bay as we take a look at that so lee sterling joins us from paramount sports and lee i just want to spend a minute or two on your daughter who sang the anthem we had a chance to have a meal together and go to harry Carey's and have some beverages and meeting your daughter was something i saw her warm up as i was in the booth early and she sounded great, but no one was in the building, literally no one other than the staff. And then in the middle of her performance, all these Chinook helicopters come over, and she was louder than the helicopters. Congratulations, my brother. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, she's got a strong voice. Uh, no one's ever going to say that she needs to uh, bring it up a little bit, but uh, she's known as a belter. She was, her nickname was Brooke the Belter growing up, and uh, she's getting close. I mean, she's had a couple yeah. off-Broadway leads, and... Uh, does a pretty darn good job on the national anthem, and uh, I think it's sung the way that, that, and I think that's why it moved people, the way it should be sung, with a lot of pride being an American, instead of riffing it and adding things to it, so, uh, you know, that's the one thing we talked about before she started doing it, uh, you know, for fun and then professionally, and, and she takes great pride in it. Yeah, one more thing on that, uh, we're both biased, especially you or Dad, but I thought it was brilliant and because of what you said. She sang the anthem perfectly. She nailed it, so she got a 10 out of 10 with the way she performed it. But she did it the right way, which made everybody united at Soldier Field. I mean, I was really looking around at people when she hit the high note and wrapped it up and the flyover, and it's the fame Raiders and the Bears. That's a lot of pressure on your girl, man. She pulled it off. Tell her I said that. That's a lot of pressure. Most people don't understand that type of pressure, and I'm really proud of her. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't think I could do it. You know, you and I go on radio, and that's one thing. But in front of 65,000 people, when everyone's watching you, um, that's that's just a different animal. Somehow she, she just doesn't feel the pressure, but... Uh, she loves performing and making people happy, and she must have done a good job. She's already heard from numerous other uh, NFL and college teams that wanted to perform. That's outstanding. Let's yeah. begin. Uh, yeah. Georgia, Florida, man. I watched the Urban Meyer documentary, and it made Urban look great. But one thing about Georgia and Florida, and Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, you know, these teams play differently against rivals. And you know that in the NFL, and you're really good in college football on top of that. 
This is a rivalry game. We haven't seen Georgia play well this year. I'm talking about the Raiders, how they start playing one game where they play to their ability. Has Georgia played a good game yet this year? Because I know Florida has. One game. I would say Kentucky. They look good. But the question here is, and I think it's number one, two, and three, how is the loss of Brock Bowers going to affect this team? Mm-hmm. I personally think he's the best college football player. And I don't think I've ever said that about a tight end. He already has 41 catches for 567 yards. The next biggest target for them, as far as wide receivers, is Dominic Lovick with 18 catches here. Mm-hmm. Uh, his loss, I think it's going to force some drastic changes in their offense. And if you want to cover a two-touchdown spread or larger, you got to play pretty quick or you got to be efficient. Georgia's not been efficient this year, and they're bottom third in the country in pace of play. Both defenses are rested. Florida's offense has actually been better the last couple weeks, scoring 38 and 41 points in their comeback win against South Carolina. Your spread record a lot of times tell you what kind of team and season you're having. Georgia's 1-6 against the spread. They couldn't even come close to a cover against Vandy. I think they escape 30-24. to 24. This game's going right down to the wire. Wow, so Florida covers the spread, Georgia wins. Ohio State, Wisconsin. I'm so sick of Wisconsin football. It's just so terribly boring. When they have a great runner, Ron Dane, go back to all their great runners. Yeah, when they have a Heisman Trophy-type runner, it's fun to watch. But every time I turn them on and my wife's in the Big Ten with Illinois, it's never an exciting game. And then Ohio State has the ability to be explosive. Harrison looked great. In the opening drive against Penn State, they were really trying to feed him. And Ohio State's playing for that Michigan game coming up. Any chance Ohio State minus 14.5 versus Wisconsin is a trap game? I think it might be. You know, Ohio State played so well on defense. They did not allow the Nittany Lions to convert a first down on their first 15 third down conversions. I mean... Penn State didn't score until garbage time with 30 seconds left in the game. i have never been a part of a game, and I was part of a lot of good teams in high school and college that ever held a team down that much. So uh, I am still concerned, though, with the Buckeyes running game, only 2.6 yards per carry, just 99th in the country here. Luke Fickrell, former Ohio State coach, will have the Badgers ready for this game. The reason I can't pick an upset here is their poor quarterback play and they run defense in the three games against uh, Purdue, Iowa, and Illinois, your wife's team. They allowed 194 to 223 rushing yards. I think Ohio State wins 24-17, but I'll take the points here. All right, look at Lee Sterling. Two games here. He's telling you who's going to win the game, but he likes the inferior team to cover like that. Let's get to the NFL. Jacksonville minus two and a half against Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin doing what he does. He just wins football games. I thought that Pittsburgh would be outside the wild card race this year. I just, I I believe more in Cincinnati, Baltimore, especially Baltimore. We saw what Baltimore did to Detroit. And I, I like what Cleveland's doing on defense here. And quietly, Pittsburgh's in a really good spot to stay where they are if they can win a game like this. Now for Jacksonville, I always thought Jacksonville was going to win that division quite easily, but it feels like it's a make-or-break game for Pittsburgh, and they're playing well, and they got to have this one. Am I right to say that? Because Tomlin is a motivator here. The line initially opened up Jacksonville minus 2.5, Lee, and it hasn't moved. It hasn't moved anywhere here in Vegas. No sharp money coming in on Pittsburgh more, and Jacksonville staying right there, total 41 on this one. 
Well, it just shows you the line is probably right. And, mm-hmm. I mean, usually a game of this magnitude, there'd be a lot of wagering, but there's no one-sided wagering at all. I think the Steelers, for them to win, they've got to have, I mean, a couple takeaways or a defensive score. Well, Jacksonville actually leads the NFL in takeaways, 16 in seven games. I love the receivers, number three in yards after catch. Who are they behind? Miami and Kansas City here. So uh, they were good enough. Uh, to beat New Orleans on a short week in an intra-division game here to pick up their four straight win. And uh, they won 12 of the last 15 games, only losing to Kansas City twice and Houston here. I just think they have too many weapons. The right team is favored here, Jacksonville 28-20. Jacksonville 28-20. And, Lee, you got a rare game of the week Tonight, I, I yep. tell you, I got my, a bunch of my buddies I went to college with are going to this Bills game. They're at Niagara Falls as we speak. They're going to have a great tailgate and all of this year. I just don't know. Two, last two years in a row, my friend, you know, I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the start of the year. I still think they have a window to get to the Super Bowl again, but something seems off with Josh Allen and the defense is not what I expected here. Bills uh, could be a play tonight. How does everybody get the scam? Yeah, and Tampa Bay's lost two games. This is a must-win for both teams. They can't fall any farther behind in the division races. Do you want to get it for free? Be one of the first five callers. 800-400-9741. You want to get this game, Buffalo and Tampa Bay, tonight for free. Just call 800-400-9741. And how about this? This is a rare two-week time. Only two weeks the entire year, all four sports taking place. Football, we're 62-28-2 there. Baseball, uh, already five games up in the playoffs. Basketball, off to a 2-0 start in the NBA. And hockey, up over 30 games this year. You want to get involved. How about this? Seven selections tonight, $17. That's right, seven selections combined, all four sports, just $17. One place to get it. ParamountSports.com. Come on, the $17 deal, everybody. <laughs> this guy's a pro. I just spent the weekend with him in Chicago. Uh, ParamountSports.com. Again, Lee, best to your family. Great connecting okay. with everyone. Thank you. You too, JT. Take care, buddy. Yeah, we had a really nice time. We, His wife and his daughter and his daughter's uh, fiance uh, showed up, or a boyfriend showed up at Harry Terry's. And we had a couple beverages and sat there, and uh, his daughter's just a beautiful young woman, and she did the anthem fantastic. I forwarded her reel to the Raiders and another team around the league just to say if they, if they need someone who cancels, she's, she's at the top of that. So thanks to Lee Sterling for doing that. We have a busy final hour of the show. we got Jason Horowitz coming up, the voice of the Raiders. Very opinionated. Very opinionated. He's doing the Bills game tonight, too. So he's going to join us from Buffalo. My friend Joe Arrigo is going to come in because – UNLV football is 6-1, and one, and Bishop Gorman is the number one high school team in America. I want to know why. Why are things rolling at Gorman, and why are things rolling at UNLV? And Johnny Katz on entertainment all this hour coming up next.